Welcome to episode number nine of Soccer. The That's a good one. Unofficial yet so official soccer podcast with Bucky Godbolt and Brad Kellner. That was unbelievable. That was Buck. a good one, wasn't it? Well done. Are you trying out to be a Spanish announcer? I could do that. Wow. Yeah, I'm only about a minute and a half shorter than that dude would do it, though. Yeah. <laughs> that was impressive for a first try, though. That's pretty good. Got that lung capacity back now, finally. How about that? That yeah, is man. impressive. He is Bucky Godbolt. I am BK Brad Kellner. Thank you for listening. Episode number nine of Soccer Duh, which is brought to you by Altstadt Brewery. 34 Wine and Spirits, Green Mountain Flower Company, and Brown Eye Clothing. A lot to get to in this week's episode, Buck. We'll start with Austin FC. We'll also talk a little bit of Euros and Copa America before we get out of here. But starting with Austin FC, a couple of matches to recap. We'll start with the good. Last Thursday, Austin FC, first ever win at Q2 Stadium. Not only that, the first ever goal at Q2 Stadium. And it wasn't just one, it was a barrage offensively for the Oaks. About 4-1 to one over Portland. John Gallagher scoring first for the Verde and Black. And it didn't stop there. 4-1, the win for Austin FC. A resounding way to get the first ever win at Q2. Yeah, and the fans were absolutely bonkers. BK, they went absolutely nuts. And that first goal when the lights went out, the green was flashing all over the place. It was exciting. It was exciting for the team. I think it was exciting for the fans. But as you said, it didn't stop there. In less than about three minutes from then, another goal, uh, they scored again. And then they kind of chilled out. And in the second half, they got two in a row. It was a lot of fun. It was, it was a lot of fun to see the high point of, of this soccer team and this young soccer team, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, get underway. And I, I was excited for them. And you know what? It was – this was what the fans have been wanting to see. They wanted to see a little bit of offense. They got a lot of offense. Yeah. Now, they played a team that wasn't very good, and that was a game that I think you and I had talked about. They have to win that game. Mm-hmm. They need these points. Not only do they need to win the game and not 1-0, but they need to put some, some points on the board, and that's, that's exactly what they did. And everybody got involved. They had a very ha- healthy – Danny Pereira was healthy at that time. I mean, they got Punchettino involved. They got a little bit of everybody going finally. Uh, Alex Ring was very involved. Stuver was his normal self. But this uh, was kind of short-lived. It was kind of short-lived, unfortunately. Austin FC followed up its first ever win at Q2 Stadium with a 2-0 loss to LAFC. But, uh, man, that win over Portland was huge. It snapped the eight-match winless streak for the Oaks. And, yeah, seeing that offensive explosion was great because that's been the biggest problem with this club here in year one. Just not enough offense, but four goals, two in each half. And, uh, man, I got a little bit nervous at the very end of the first half. Austin FC was up 2-0, and they gave up a late goal. I mean, late in stoppage time. Josh Wolf was actually ticked that the referee didn't stop play, right? He wanted halftime to start, but the official let them play a little bit longer, and Portland ultimately scored what could have been a a momentum-shifting type of goal, and that made it 2-1, but... No problem at all. Well, it was see the more dominant club. It, it was late and it was lame. Yeah, because they really froze on the defensive end. Uh, you know, the, the defenders froze. Guy comes right down the middle and gets an easy win on Stuver. And that, that was that was tough for him because the, the whole defense at that time, the whole backfield at that time, I don't know what they were waiting for. They were were they waiting for the halftime whistle? But play was continuing on, and they got really really lazy on, on that. That that should have been a four nil game, as a matter of fact, as it turned out. Yeah, four goal scorers for Austin FC. Another cool aspect of that dominating performance. Four different guys scored for the Oaks. John Gallagher, there's the answer to your trivia question. The first ever goal scorer 
at Q2 Stadium. Diego Fagundes, who's been great all season long, he put one in as well. Alex Ring, the captain, and Hector Jimenez, the four goal scorers for Austin FC. That was a hell of a lot of fun, and I'm glad you brought up the crowd, Buck. First of all, it was really cool to see them turn the lights out and then light the whole place up green after each goal. I didn't know that was going to happen, right? We hadn't seen a goal from Austin FC in its first two home games, so that was the first time we got to see that. But, man, the place went bonkers. Dude, it's still the party of the weekends oh around here goodness. when they have a home game. It doesn't uh, I, it, it doesn't matter. If, if, if they don't score another goal, believe me, it's still the Saturday night party, it seems like. Yeah. And everybody's there. Everybody's having a good time. I'm looking around at, as I said, I'm looking around at adults. I'm looking around at kids just having a blast. And this thing is going to grow. And, and and for those that still haven't gotten on board now, after this weekend of soccer, this I think this is such a buildup. This really helps out the, it, what's happening here in Austin, mm-hmm. Texas, and it, it's gonna, but it's gonna continue because next year I, I, World Cup starts again. Yeah. So this buildup of this summer is is it, it's kind of smart on all and all aspects of soccer. I think everybody gets a chance to learn about soccer. You get to see good soccer. You get to see great soccer. You get to see great individual play. And so you know what you're starting to get into. And I think more fans are going to be World Cup next year. It, in Austin, Texas, is always a big draw. It is. I mean, it's one of the most watched. This is one of the watched cities that, in, in America that watches soccer World Cup. So can you imagine having your own team and then having a World Cup here? It's awesome, man. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. The buzz surrounding Austin FC is sky high, but also the buzz surrounding the sport is ridiculously high right now. And I'm curious to see what the TV ratings look like for Euros yeah. and for Copa America, right? To see how Austin fit in with some of the other big markets here in America. But uh, that was the good for Austin FC. A 4-1 win over Portland. The place was electric. I had some buddies who were there. They said Mm -hmm. Q2 Stadium was shaking every time Austin FC scored. It was a party during the two scoreless draws at Q2. But, uh, man, it was an explosion during that 4-1 win. So that was the good. But then last Wednesday, Buck, unfortunately, the Oaks reverted back to old form. A 2-0 loss to LAFC. Uh, of course, Austin FC opened up the season against LAFC on the road. They right. lost 2-0 in L.A., and they lose 2-0 to L.A. in Austin. As great as that four-goal barrage was against Portland, but seven of the last nine matches for the Verde and Black, they have failed to score a single goal, and unfortunately that reared its ugly head against L.A. You know what? It looked like a carbon copy of what, what we saw the first time against uh, 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 L.A. Uh, FC. It really was, it, it was almost the same game, you know, where they fell into... They fell into some lackadaisical stuff. I mean, even Stuver did not play a great game. You know, they want to start their offense from the back, so you better be pretty good with your passing. And you and I have been watching this and saying, one of these times, these really lax passes that go across and you're trying to start from back there, if you don't handle the ball, if you mishandle the ball, you're going to find out it's going to go in the net. And Stuver gave one away. And that's yeah. not, that was very unlike him. But they played that way during the course of the whole game. Now, they had a lot of guys that were hurt. Danny Pereira got hurt again. And when this guy when, when this guy's not on, I still, to me, Danny Pereira, this young, this young rookie from Virginia Tech, to me is one of their top two players. He, mm. When he's there and he's going and he's into it, I think it it frees up Dominguez and some other guys like Fagundes. It, 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 it frees those guys to get up out of the wings and not have to play so much defense and not play so much in the middle of the pitch. Instead, they can get out on the wings and go vertical, and they need him. And then to see him go down. Man, watching him go down, and I could just tell you could look on his face when he was down. Uh-huh. This wasn't one of those soccer rolls, right? Where you roll over and you're clutching yourself for like five minutes, and then you get up and start running. He sat there and held by his groin, yeah. And just they came out, and it was like they knew right away. 
Something was wrong. This wasn't a Cecilio Dominguez. No, it was not. Injury. No. This was a legitimate injury this for was. Danny Pereira. And yeah, Tomas Pochettino was also unavailable for that game against LAFC. Pochettino hasn't been as good as we've wanted him to be, no. but still one of the best players on this team sure. and another midfielder. So you lose two of your starting midfielders, two of those guys that create chances for some of your forwards, and you're going to be playing beyond the eight ball. Because they just don't have, they just haven't got to that. That's starting that that the, all the starters being in the positions that they need to yep. be because of these injuries. The injuries are terrible. People are having to play. Guys are having to play out of position. That's not what they do. Dominguez is one of those guys that needs to be out there on the wings. He's playing in the middle. You know, he's he, he's probably the best ball handler that they have. And but he needs to be the guy going vertical too. And so does Fagundes needs to be the guy. Ver- As I said, Fagundes has been playing great defense, mm-hmm. but he's not a defender. He's a, he he doesn't look like a defender. But he plays hard as a defender, and you know Pereira, he's he's about the same size, but he's defend. He can defend. Yeah, he can because that, he that's what he does. I would argue, Fagundes has been one of the best players on Austin. There's FC no doubt. This year, right? Brad Stuver's number one. Alex right. Ring, I'd probably put number two, and then you can make a strong case for Diego Fagundes. There's being no number doubt. Three, he has been spectacular. But yeah, a lot of guys playing out of position due to injuries. And man, can we get Musa Jite here? Can yeah, we for get sure. Him here. Uh, the hope was he would be available to play for tomorrow night's friendly against Tigres out of mm-hmm. the Mexican League, but Gite apparently not with the club just yet. But he's going to help a ton. I mean, he's a natural striker, right? And you've got a bunch of guys because of Danny Hosen being injured and a couple of other injuries on the front. You've got guys playing out of position up there. So getting Gite in here uh, will hopefully help the starting eleven problem and hopefully help the goal scoring problem yeah, for sure. as they, well. They need players that can go vertical. They yeah. you know, side to side, they're 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 okay when they're passing side to side. They're they're not bad, but they're not great at it. They they they're not strong on the ball, but vertically you need somebody that can go because we know when Stroud's in the game, he can send it. I mean he, they've got guys that can send it mm-hmm. vertically and they do a pretty good job at it. You know, Puccettino is one of those guys who can send it pretty deep too. Vertically, but they don't have they don't have a lot of vertical players. No, they they, they don't. just don't. Not right now. Not right now. A couple of other thoughts. You mentioned Brad Stuver's mistake that led to the first LAFC goal in the 39th minute. I feel for him, man. I mean, that was clearly on him, and he took ownership yes, he of the mistake after the game, which I respect the hell out of him for that. That was his first big mistake of the season, and I was really hoping that the guys in front of him would bail him out. Because how many times has Brad Stuver bailed out the guys in front of him this season? And the one time I don't know, Brad six Stuver, games? Oh, every game, every game that Austin yeah. FC has picked up a point, uh, it's been because of Brad Stuver, maybe outside of the Portland game because they scored four goals there. But he's been spectacular yes. all season long. He's had his teammates back all year. And the one mistake he makes, it would have been nice to see the guys in front of him pick him up, and that didn't happen. You could just feel that game. You could feel that game that was going to be the same way it was out in L.A. It just it had that feeling, you know. You know, as we watch soccer all during the week. Weekend, you just have a feeling when teams are going to sit back, sit back. They're not going to press offensively, and that's what that's what Austin FC got into. They got into the same game that they played. They didn't want to. They didn't want to make the first goal into the second goal, and they definitely didn't want to get three scored upon them mm-hmm. at home after coming out and getting a four to one victory. Yeah, I thought the game against LAFC was the worst Austin FC had played I did in too. a while. Like, uh, yes, you know, since the Minnesota game where they lost two nil on the right. road, they were obviously overmatched in that one, but. You know, the, the Portland game and the Columbus game, even though Columbus was a nil-nil draw, Austin FC was a better team right. in that game. And they were obviously better against Portland, too, uh, against LAFC. LAFC was the better side. I know Austin FC won the possession battle, and maybe there are some metrics that say the Oaks were close, but 
Uh, LAFC was the better team. And they needed that as a home win. I mean, you need yeah. to back a win up with another win. You, yeah, you, not, not you, a, you don't love not getting results at home. Home draws right. are okay, but to come away with zero points at home. And I don't think hurt. that and I don't think that looks good for the future. Uh, because some of the teams that they'll have to play, even though it's at home, they played well when they when it, when it's us against the world and you go on the road and you, you know you're playing the Sounders and teams like that mm-hmm. and you hang in there with the Sounders. Uh, I, I think that makes you feel good, but you can't come home and then let them tear you apart. You just can't. Yeah. And they're at that point right now where injuries play a key role in everything that they do right now. Josh, I, I think, is still trying to feel his way around, and and it's hard to get a lineup. We don't have the players to get a lineup right now, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. So you seem to sit back. They seem to sit back a lot, and you know the energy. It's hard to have that energy when you don't have those players. Yeah. Next match for Austin FC against Tigres UANL. That is mm-hmm. a friendly coming up tomorrow night at Q2 Stadium, and then the next foray into MLS will be against Seattle Sounders. So this will be a first for us. I don't know how they handle these games. We, myself as a fan, I don't know how they handle these friendlies when they play them. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you got a bunch of guys hurt, you. You barely have enough guys to play a friendly. I know. So what do you do? Are you are you willing to put your guys out there? Do you bring up – is, is this team far enough to have cl- – I don't think they have club players. I don't, I don't think they do. I, you know what I'm saying? I don't, yeah. They don't have enough club players. So, right. and They're uh, going to have to start some regulars tomorrow, but the question is how many regulars and how start long? and how long do those guys play. Right. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Like you said, it's the first time we'll get to see something like this from Austin FC. I know it'll be crowded. It'll be packed. Yes, it will. It will be packed. Like you said, it's the party, party of the year. Even though it's an exhibition game, uh, people are going to find their way to Q2 Stadium tomorrow night. The game against Seattle a week from Thursday. But the big issue for Austin FC, it remains, Buck. They can't score. They've got the fewest goals in the Western Conference, despite the four-goal barrage. Like, we were hoping that would be a turning point That's for I this thought. club. Like, all right, hey, we can't expect four goals every night. But, give me two. Right, yeah, give us something. Give us, like, give us at least one. But they follow up the 4-1 win with a 2-0 loss. Seven times in the last nine matches, Austin FC has been held off the score sheet. Yeah, they're going to have to find they're going to have to find ways to. You know, we say that week in week out, but it, it it's hard to do when you don't have those type of players. So you you your adrenaline, you've got to go on your adrenaline. By the way, ninety minutes is a long time mm-hmm. for adrenaline rush. Uh, there eventually that starts to wear you down, and really good teams will wear you down with their speed and with their ability to handle the ball and. As I said, if Austin FC doesn't handle the ball well, then they have problems with on-ball guys. On-ball guys don't win one-on-ones with this team because there's so many of them playing out of position. Mm-hmm. They know that they have to retreat. They've got to play defense. They can't just uh, let themselves go on. I mean, even uh, Dominguez has had to play some really good defense lately. He's had to do a lot of slide tackles. That's not. That's probably not your your designated player. Generally, isn't your slide tackle guy. But they've all they've learned this. They play for each other, and you can tell that they do. And whether they get beat 2-0 or whatever, they do play hard. They, yeah. don't, they don't give in. They really, really don't. You don't question just, effort with this I team. Just, what I question is they're not a talented team right now. Yeah, they don't they're have just enough. not. They don't have enough up front. Austin FC currently 10th place in the Western Conference. Only two points out of a playoff spot. The Oaks through 13 games, three wins, six losses, and four Draws. All right. Anything else we want to hit with Austin FC, or should we uh, shift gears and no, talk Euros? No, let's shift it. Let's just talk some Euro. All right, man. I know you watched a ton. I did of the Euros 2020 tournament. It culminated yesterday with an Italian win over the host nation England in penalty kicks. This is an Italian team that didn't even make the World Cup qualifier the last time the World Cup was around, yeah. which is 
Which is incredible. I'm like, wait a minute, those guys didn't even qualify. Maybe to play the lowest in moment in Italian soccer history. They follow it up a couple of years later by winning amazing. the Euros for the first time since the '60s. Amazing, amazing players, amazing ball handling. I think you saw what individuals can do, and and how the individual player, the the one who is better than the other guy, not not equal to, but I'm talking about these are these are really great players. These are the best of the best that we saw over the weekend. And when you're just when you're an elite soccer player and you're better than that other guy even though he's as good as you've ever seen they take advantage of it and those elite players can absolutely go and they play great defense but boy the the ball on their foot it's just amazing it's it, different isn't it it's totally you different go from watching mls to watching these dudes yeah it's 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 a it's a different brand of soccer they once again they've been together for a long long time sure you know and then they go off to their club soccers where they go with some of the, the greatest players in the world and I, I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the Argentina. You know, it was, not, it was nice to see Messi get a trophy. I mean, after nine tries, mm-hmm. Messi finally gets a trophy. Uh, and he's a special. That, that cat is a special player. But, you know, Neymar is my guy. I'm, and I'm thinking Neymar. Well, you're been a Neymar playing, guy. Yeah, huh? I'm a Neymar you're gonna guy. You're going to start getting neck tats like Neymar? Oh, he's got enough of them, doesn't oh, I'm he? I'm telling you, man. But he's a, you're talking about an all-around soccer player. Neymar really is an all-around player. He's a, he can defend when he wants to. He bides his time. He keeps he keeps his energy level going, but when he goes one on one, and some of the passes that he makes, even the passes that he makes to himself, mm-hmm. are scary. I mean, it's like watching a great basketball player use a guy one on one. I mean, it is it, it's it's some of it is abuse. Yeah. Well, now the questions that we've had for a long time about Lionel Messi are going to be asked about Neymar, right? A ton of success at the club level, but mm-hmm. no, nothing to write home about internationally. No. And for Leo Messi, man, tip of the cap to him. Yes, I know for sure. he didn't score the goal for Argentina in that 1-0 win in the Copa América final, but he was spectacular all tournament long, and that was the one knock on Messi, right? The one thing that a lot of people said was preventing Messi from being the greatest soccer player of all time was not being able to win an international major trophy for Argentina. Right. But, and he got it done. Yeah, and I think what you saw from him is the fact that in a game like that, once again, he's not the designated player. He is the player. He's the player. He is the player. Yeah, he's and awesome. He made some great tackles, and I'm like, wait a minute. Is that Messi on the ground slide tackling guys? You could tell how much that he, meant to him. Yeah, he wanted it. And I think, when, I think when his teammates saw him giving his body up, and he generally doesn't have to do that. He doesn't. They don't expect him to do that. But in this particular game in the finals – against Brazil. He gave up his body uh, uh, several times. And I was surprised to see Messi. Generally, he hangs out in the corners and you know what? He, he'll find a spot and he'll make a play. Although that last play he did not make. Oh. The one-on-one. That could have been bad. It, like If, if they don't if, win that. If Brazil went down the other way and scored and then ultimately oh. won the game in PKs. Uh, yeah, look, whether it's fair or not, people would have been dunking on Lionel Messi. Oh, for sure. A one-on-one? And, and people would have been like, oh, this guy's the GOAT? This guy's your greatest of all time? He couldn't even finish this chance absolutely that would have been brutal for Lionel Messi fair or not but man you could tell as soon as the final whistle sounded every Argentinian player and coach went up to Messi for sure and gave him a hug and you saw an emotional moment between Neymar and Messi who played for a few years together that's right at Barcelona and the club ranks uh you saw how much it meant to Lionel Messi that was cool I mean they were hoisting him up like uh he was celebrating a bar mitzvah you know they put the guy in the chair and they throw him up that game meant more for Messi than it did for Argentina and that's crazy to say right because it had been nearly three decades sure. since Argentina had won anything major as a country. But you could tell that meant more to Lionel Messi. And it meant for the other players, too, it meant more for Messi than it did for Argentina. That, it, it really, really did. As, an, as I said, then their, goal, their goal keeps are big, tall, strong-looking dudes. Yeah. And they, they are 
they're brilliant in what they do and the way they kick the ball. The free kicks are ridiculous, and the set plays are ridiculous mm-hmm. too. I mean, they have they have they have played. Their corner kicks are all set plays. They they don't just kick it and, and pray. They know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing, and they have tall players that that headers. Are like feet. Yeah. Their heads are like their feet. They're amazing. <laughs> uh, congrats to Leo Messi. So much heartbreak in World Cups, also in previous Copa Americas, but he gets it done. And he might be the greatest of all time, Buck. Could be. I, I mean, most of the soccer people that I talked to after Saturday's match basically said, no, that's it. Like, that's icing on the cake for, for Leo sure. Messi. Sometimes we're prisoner of the moment. We've got recency bias, but uh, his resume overall, when you look at club and international. Oh, when you look at scoring alone, his yeah. doubles. The greatest players of all time. Mm-hmm. Six ballon to yours too. Yeah. Probably seven after this year. Right. He's a, a legend. What about the Euros final? We talked about it a little bit. Italy gets the win over England, three-two in PKs. Uh, first of all, I want your thoughts on PKs in general. Like, do you think that PKs are a good way to decide major soccer matches over the world? Like, obviously, you can't have this end in a tie. It's a final. And right. look, I'd prefer a winner over a tie any day of the week, but. Are you in favor of PKs being the way this was decided? The way soccer has done it for years. It's not changing. That's what they do. That's the way they, that's the way they end contests like that and, and for championships. And I'm fine. They probably think our, our, our playoff system and what we do in the NFL sucks. They probably <laughs> think the same thing. That's a dumb way to end a game. Man. You know what I mean? I, I don't mind it. I, I, I'm fine with it. You just, I think the strategy in it is 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 different. Sure. And on who should be taking the kicks and who shouldn't be taking the kicks, but I don't mind it. That's that's the world's game. That's that's and that's the way they play the game. I hate it, man. I, I just can't imagine you going out there. They've already run for over a hundred and some minutes. I know. And if you if you want to do it, you want to end it. Can okay, you, take three more players off and play with eight or seven yeah. guys, and let's go. You could do that, or you could add more subs. Right? If you're playing beyond 120 minutes, you could add more substitutes, so guys are a little bit fresher. No, let's put less players on there and let's go. That works too. I mean, I just think it should be golden goal. Like uh, you're not playing the sport, and I know penalties, penalty kicks are part of the first 90 minutes of the sport from time to time, but it's really, it's not the same. I know. I mean, it's, like, you it, at, it's like in basketball, like you don't do a free throw shooting competition when the game goes to double overtime. But like double overtime is five minutes. You get, that's all it is. It's what about, five minutes what about hockey? Like hockey for the regular season, they do. Yes. They do the shootout. They do, which is good. They decide a winner. I wish soccer would do that in the regular season, but in the playoffs, you win. They do golden goal. Like they yeah. play until somebody scores. You're right. telling me those guys aren't tired? Those guys are moving those, too. Those You're guys right. are tired as hell. So I don't know. Look, I, it's a very polarizing topic, and we have this debate. Every time a major game is decided by PKs. These are skilled guys. And there are people who love it and the excitement and the enthusiasm and there's so yes. much adrenaline and and it's also just nerve-wracking as hell to be a fan watching PKs. Dude, my leg would freeze if I were the guy having to kick the ball. Yeah. My leg would be like falling asleep. It wouldn't it wouldn't work. Oh, it just too. wouldn't work. I would volunteer to not go. If the coach is like, hey, BK, you're up, I'd be like, no, <laughs> no, no, I'm no. hurt. Pick him. Hurt. Pick him. I can't do it, Don't coach. pick that guy right there. Pick that guy right there. I don't, oh. I don't have it in me. So I'm, I'm anti-PKs, but, I mean, it's been going on forever. I don't expect it to change anytime soon. I just – look, Italy was the better side yesterday. So the right All team, day long. The right team won, right? England scored in the second minute, and they were way too defensive, right? Way too passive. You're talking and, about backing up. I mean, they, they you could argue they should have conceded two or three instead of just the one they conceded right. in the first 120, but 
you know, sometimes it just it feels like the better team doesn't win when it goes to PKs, and we didn't have that yesterday. But once again, I just don't think it's a great representation of the sport. But like you said, you play for 120 minutes, guys are gassed. I've never played in a major soccer match for 120 minutes. That's a long stretch, brother. I'd be 13, dead too. 14 miles. So your idea of, of taking some guys off the field yeah, to let's give play. us a goal quicker. Yeah. Or, you know, adding more subs to give us a goal quicker. I just, I would prefer that over PKs, but polarizing topic. And it was a debate. great game. It was such a great, it was a great match until the very end when the three young guys had to go out uh. there and make those kicks. And I, I, I just, as I watched it, I could, uh, after, after uh, the, the first guy missed, number two who came up, he had the fear. You could see it. I mean, he, he was almost frozen going up there to the ball. I mean, the goalie already knew where he was going. He's like, you're going left. Okay. Go ahead and go left. Mm-hmm. I'm going to block this. And then the young guy has to come up at 19 years old. He's a star and going to be a star for the future, too, for England. But it was just, it was a shame the way that, like that, ended. See, that's the part of the coaching that I would have to think about. You know, I'm going to get, I'm going to get my number one guy. Okay, he may go first, but I'm not going to then put my number two guy. I'm going to put somebody, I would have maybe, may have taken the 19 year old and put him at number two mm. to go kick that thing earlier. You already got one in. Let's go now. Yeah. But to back that up with three straight young guys, I mean, three. In a row, young players on that team. I don't know if they they I don't know if the coach did them a favor. Yeah, and look, Marcus Rashford, the first guy who missed for England, he's been playing for a long, long time. Oh, he was. That's why he's there. Yeah, that's why he's there, and he hit the left post. Yeah, uh, but then yeah, Jaden Sancho, the second guy you were talking, he was about, the guy who froze. young guy, and then Saka, the nineteen-year-old who went last. Uh, look, give. Donnarumma, the Italian keeper, a lot of credit, right? He made a couple of saves. Yes, Rashford he did. obviously hit the post. That's on him. But, uh, you know, Donnarumma guessed right and made a couple of saves to secure the win for Italy. But, man, a tough spot for a 19 year old kid. And also, yeah, tough to come off the bench and your first touches basically are taking a penalty. Yeah, I think. In the Euro were, final. They were only in there for about four minutes. Not maybe. even. Like they subbed in in the 120th minute. Like that was, that was it. And. So uh, you got to think for the coach. That's, I mean, isn't that a part where coaching comes into play? You got to think. I just put these guys in. Now I've got – there's got to be a different way that I do this. Yeah. I cannot let the three guys – well, the two guys. Because mm-hmm. the, the one played all game long. Right, but, you know, Yeah, soccer played all, all game long. So he was ready to go. But the other two dudes, I had thought about that. You know, as, as I'm learning about this game, I'm, I'm thinking, those guys who left that field when it was time to kick have to be one of the ones to kick. I, they just got – I'm thinking – Wait a minute, the one guy's played all game long. Mm -hmm. These other two dudes have not played long enough. You know how it works as a coach. Every decision you make is going to be microanalyzed. And if Southgate, the coach for England, if he did not make those two moves, then people would have criticized him for saying, hey, you've got two great penalty takers. Why are they on the bench? Why didn't you sub them in late in the match? Especially the one, because that's why he's there. Especially Rashford, right? Right. He does sub them in. They don't work. He hits the post. And people are like, why did you do that? Like they just got into the game. You're you're relying on them to take a penalty. So uh it was crazy, man. Crazy yeah, and finish. I knew and, and I could and I felt sorry. there were three African American guys oh, yeah. or or African descent. And I'm thinking, dude, all three of you are missed. This is not going to be good in England. And what happened the, the, this morning? Mm-hmm. They were just crushed in social death media. Threats, vandalism. Death, but that happens. I mean it, remember I mean, they kill people in Brazil. They kill people yeah. in parts of the country, own goals and things like that. They they take their soccer way too serious. They do, man. They you know, do. way too serious. Yeah, so, you shouldn't be threatening anybody's life over this. You shouldn't be vandalizing anybody's house or murals or cars over stuff like this. It's not the. I mean, it's not the first. I mean, we we have fans that do the oh, same yeah. thing here. It's no. not like we're not clean from some of this stuff. No, not at all. But it's but, terrible. But you could feel it coming. Yeah. I was I was watching. I'm like, 
wait a minute, what is the outlier of the last three guys that are kicking the ball? Right. It's not yeah. going to be a pretty sight uh, for the them. The fact that it was two white guys who scored for England yes. and then three black guys who did not score for England. And I said, they're going to have a hard day's night, and they mm-hmm. did. The Euros are going Rome, Buck. Soccer is going Rome. Soccer isn't going home. No. They call it football, I guess. Football yes. is going Rome. That was uh, Football is coming home is what England was saying throughout the tournament. They were hoping to win their first major tournament title since the 1966 World Cup, but instead it's Italy, first Euros triumph since 1968. How about 34 unbeaten matches in a row for Italy? Love that team. Pretty damn good streak. And they've got a good young keeper, too. That was uh, pretty impressive. So congrats to Italy. Congrats to Argentina for winning their major tournaments over the weekend. And for Austin FC, you guys need to get some rest. Yeah. We, we didn't get Davey Pereira back on, some, Danny Pereira on somehow. I, I don't know. It looked like one of those injuries that he's not just walking back onto the pitch. No. It, just, it just doesn't. The way, the way he sat there and the disappointment on his face, he didn't have to groan. He didn't have to roll. You just knew he was hurt. You just knew. Curious yeah. what the lineup looks like tomorrow against Tigres. More curious what it looks like against Seattle. Uh, will Musa Jite be a part of things on the 22nd? He's not going to be a part of things tomorrow. There's no way no. that happens at this point. But next time Austin FC plays an MLS match, uh, will Jite be in the starting 11? That would be We're going to have to go to that game. We're going to have to get to the Sounders game. That's They are playing lights out. I, I think they're undefeated. They are, they're, I, don't, I don't think they've lost they have, yet. They don't have a loss. I don't think they've lost yet. No. I think... Uh, the triple option with RBKD is doing our show at Q2 that day. At Q2? So you might have to get out there. Slide on in. the Seattle game because it's Absolutely. a Thursday. Slide on in the DMs, Absolutely. baby. All right, Buck, anything else you want to hit here? No, this is all good, brother. All right, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Soccer. Duh. The Horns unofficial yet so official soccer podcast with Bucky Godbolt and Brad Kellner. Thank you all so much for listening. We really do appreciate the continued support of this podcast. And thanks again to our sponsors, Altstadt Brewery, 34 Wine and Spirits, Green Mountain Flower Company, and Brown Eye Clothing. For Bucky Godbolt, I am BK Brad Kellner. We'll be back next week for another episode. Until then, y'all stay safe. Y'all stay healthy. Keep it fair day. This has been soccer. Duh.